0: This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, Dr. Roosh begins a new series titled Championship Secrets, where we will look at the characteristics of championship individuals and teams by viewing the examples found in the Bible, people who conquered difficult obstacles and won. Let's join Dr. Nate Roosh right now for part one, well, we're starting a brand new series today, and our series is called Championship Secrets. And of course, in the sporting world, there's these tournament times that take place where people are getting into uh, and local levels, basketball teams, and college sports, getting into this tournament season. So we're kind of theming what we do with our sermon series around that, and of course, it also leads up to Easter, and how many you know that's the ultimate championship that Jesus won on the cross and through the empty grave. In this series, we're gonna be looking at the characteristics of championship, individuals and teams viewed through the examples of the Bible. There's some great stories that we can glean from the secrets of champions, people who conquered difficult obstacles and somehow won. They're not perfect, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not perfect. But somehow, somehow, God shows us how we can all accomplish great things in our own story. And it's amazing how the Bible is written in a way to give us hope that we can overcome in any circumstance. Let's go discover those secrets together. So the series is titled Championship Secrets, and the part one is Team Jesus. Team Jesus. Maybe you know the story of Jesus and his disciples through the lens of some religious posse, a religious group of people that uh, hang out together, kind of holy men, holy women, somehow that they, 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 they hang around the Messiah. You see the Last Supper, and it looks like perfectly arranged, and they're, they're just this holy people. But have you ever considered that Jesus' disciples were a part of his team? That he actually recruited and trained and empowered people to run in the game, if you will. And Team Jesus was so central to God's strategy that Christ spent more time with that core group of believers, the disciples, than he did with his own, with the crowds and with the masses. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, we're going to see how Jesus first recruits his team. I want you to, to see some things in this story that will apply to anyone, anywhere. Mark chapter one, verse 16. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Now on the count of three, I want you to just yell out what you do for a living. One, two, three. Okay, so just throw yourself into whatever. These guys, what they did is they fished, okay? Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son James and John in a boat repairing their nets, and he called them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now, this is an interesting moment. It's the beginning, the first disciples the first members of Jesus' team. And he goes and he, he does some things, and I, I wanna see hidden in this story, and we'll unpack it a little bit, is the first secret. Secret number one is believe that Jesus chooses his team. Okay, Believe that Jesus chooses his team. Say that with me. Believe that Jesus chooses his team, okay? The fundamental to performance in any sport or life Anything that we do is to understand that you are on the team. In John 15, verse 16, Jesus says this, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is amazing because in reality, we often think that we chose Jesus, we came to church, We somehow got, or our parents chose it for us, or somebody drug us to church. But I want you to kind of step back from that and recognize, no, Jesus is the one that chooses you. He's the one that chooses the people that are on his team, the people that he wants to come and follow him. People who don't believe that don't show up. They don't sacrifice, they don't work hard, they don't give their effort in their job. If they don't think they belong on a team or belong at work or they don't belong in a certain social group or they think that there's something wrong with them, they don't even try, they don't do their hair in the morning, they don't take a shower. If you don't believe this, you don't do other things. Belief is a big deal, you have purpose. You're not a mistake in any part of your life, Jesus chooses you and the weakest part of the team is still a part of the team. The weakest part of the team is still a part of the team. So even if you feel like you're the weak link, that something's wrong with you, you're flawed, or you did something wrong, you need to know this, Jesus still wants you on the team. And in life, oftentimes, we only think about ourselves. When we get a group photo back and we look at the picture and there's 10 people in the picture, who's the first person you look at in the picture? Yourself. We are injected with this selfishness and when you're on a team, you can't be selfish. You gotta understand, everybody is necessary. And for Jesus, he calls everyone to be on the team. And Jesus, the way he calls us, he, he kind of he begins to use his voice and he says, come and follow me. Jesus didn't come to these people, these fishermen, and say, I'm going to arrest you, I'm going to kidnap you, and you gotta come with me. No, what Jesus did is he walked along and he said, "You." come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He, says, he points them out, but then he turned and he walked. And there's this point with Jesus where he simply, he calls everybody and says, you're on the team, but he turns and he walks and he expects us to follow him. There are many people in the story of faith That Jesus has knocked on the door of your heart. He's come after you at different points and seasons of your story. And as He has, you've heard Him. You've been stirred. Perhaps you cried at an altar, or maybe there was a low point in your story and you're like, I'm ready to repent. But then He turns and He says, Come and follow me. And it's your choice about whether or not to follow Him in the story. Are you following Jesus? Because his voice is calling out to you. In another gospel, the same story in Matthew chapter 4, it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them. Say that with me. Jesus called out to them. It was his voice. It was his voice that reached out to them. And as he did, our responsibility is to hear the voice, but our calling isn't to the job or the assignment. Our calling is to the voice. Our roles are gonna change over time in life. We're gonna get, some of us will get married, some of us will be parents, some of us will become grandparents, others will not. Some of us will get the job we want, we'll get the title we want, and then we'll get into that role, but we are not called to the role, we are called to the voice. We are called to the voice not the uniform. Not the uniform, the moment that everybody salutes. When I went to college in Michigan, I went for business administration and as I was chasing that direction of my life, I volunteered at a local church in the youth ministry and while I did that, I got messed up a little bit because I was like, oh, I need to do something for the church. So I transferred to North Central. That's how I ended up in Minnesota. And I stayed in Minnesota because I married a Minnesota girl. You guys know how that works, right? I I come to Minnesota, I go to North Central, I start volunteering at this church, and I made a deal with God. I mean, you know, that's not something you should do. So I made a deal with God. God, if you want to use me in the church, I'll be a business administrator. I don't want (laughs) to preach. Don't make a deal with God, right? So as I'm serving at the church and going to school, I get asked to come on staff as an assistant youth pastor. So I say, okay Lord, what do you want me to do? Am I called to the job or am I called to the voice? Called to the voice. The voice says, I want you to take it. I take the job. I get in, and then I become the lead youth pastor. And While I'm the lead pastor of the youth ministry, I'm serving, and I love it, and I'm called Pastor Nate. That's what I was called. I always had the word pastor in front of my name. Then the day comes when the Lord speaks to my heart and says, hey, I want you to go ahead and respond to the call, the voice, and go to North Central. Go back and teach. Well, am I called to the job, or am I called to the voice? I'm always called to the voice. So I had to set that thing aside and I was no longer called Pastor Nate. Now I was a professor or a teacher and I'd travel and speak and then I had to change roles again and become one of the administrators and then six years ago I heard the voice again and the voice said I want you to come back to Emmanuel and be the lead pastor. Now this is what I want you to see. At every one of those stations I wore a different uniform. I wore a youth pastor uniform, I wore a teacher uniform, I wore an administrator's uniform, I wore, now I wear a lead pastor uniform. But my calling is not to the uniform, my calling is to the voice. The same voice that called out to the disciples is the one that would lead them through every season and stage of their life. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? It's not about what you do or the station you're in. Friends, don't h- hug and hold on to the uniform so much that you miss the voice the leading of God to other things that he may call you to do. Now, this team that we're on represents different people. Jesus' team had different personalities on it. In Mark 3, it says there are the 12 he chose, Simon, uh, whom he called Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of Thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. I love all those parentheses that are next to, so, because Mark is trying to describe. Hey, these people are all very different each other. You have somebody that's a zealot that hates the Roman government, and you on one team, and you on the same team, Matthew, who's a tax collector for the Roman government. You had a Democrat and a Republican right there across from each other. Jesus chose teams of opposites. He had people that were depressed and pessimists. He had somebody that would betray him later on in Judas. He chose Peter, who was a blue-collar fisherman, but he chose Peter knowing that Peter would deny him at one point in the story, and still he chose him. And the point is this, that when Jesus pulls his team together, not everyone is going to be the same, but we're all called to team Jesus. Team Jesus, he forms it the way he wants it. I know that over time that I've had various teammates on roles that I've been in or places that I've worked that I didn't like everybody. We rubbed each other the wrong way. Maybe we, we weren't the same, but Jesus called us to be together. And often, Jesus brings the greatest level of discipleship and change in my life through people who are different than me, not the ones that think alike. The ones that bug you might be Jesus' assignment to change you. Choosing us is a choice that Jesus had. He chose us to be on his team. But if you're gonna stay on the team, it's gonna require overcoming short-sightedness. And not looking through the filter of everything is right now, and living your emotional life up and down based on how people treat you. And you have to trust that the coach knows how to get you where he wants to get you. You can't say and be insecure and say, I'm too young, or I'm too poor, Or I'm too old like Sarah in the Bible. Or don't say I'm unclean like Isaiah. Don't say I'm unfit like Moses. We have to overcome exhaustion and emptiness. Sometimes we get tired and we don't want to go. We don't want to be on the team. And We have to believe that he will help us even when we're empty. We have to overcome self-centeredness and move from being a fisherman to a fisher of men. We have to overcome hatred and prejudice with our own teammates if we're gonna win in life in what Jesus has called us to do. We have to say yes to unlikely teammates. You see, Jesus cares about everybody. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. I wanna just challenge you today to not criticize the church. I'm gonna challenge you to not criticize everything around you in the church world. We're in a day and age where everybody critiques everybody for everything. And friends, I just want you to know that anytime we get in the position where all we do is criticize, there's a lot of pride going on inside our hearts. At least I'm not like them. That's what Jesus addressed with the Pharisees. At least I'm not like those people. And I wanna challenge you, don't criticize the thing that Jesus gave up his life for. Yes, there's a lot of problems and there's a lot of junk that goes on and there's different church movements and how people use money and different things happen. But if you spend all of your time criticizing everybody else in the church world, you're actually criticizing Jesus' church and Jesus' team. And I want you to recognize that, you know, it really isn't about you. It's about trusting the church that God has called you to. And I would just throw this in there. There are a lot of movements that have gone through the church world. Different worship styles, different revival movements. I've been around for a number of years where I've gotten to watch a lot of changes and cycles. Nothing new underneath the sun. Different doctrines and different things pop up. The one thing that will keep you from drifting, you don't need to be scared, is staying rooted in the local church. You keep your roots down and I will promise you as a pastor, that I will stay under the authority of the word, I will also stay under authority of leaders, spiritual leaders in my life, that I'm not gonna take you to crazy places, but if I did, they would call me out on it. So you don't need to be afraid as long as you're in the house and protected in the house of God. You're on Team Jesus. And there has to be a certain amount where you believe that you're on the team, that you're not just an outsider observer, you're not just standing, you're not in the stands, but you're on the team. Secret number two, trust and follow the coach, Jesus. Okay, trust and follow the coach. Why, isn't that kind of hidden in the first one? Well, Yeah, but I want you to kind of take it to the next level because if you trust in the coach and the plan and a mission for you and a plan for the team, it means buying in to the front of the jersey um, in our locker room that we've got on our platform. We've got a a jersey, it's not mine, it's a Celtics jersey for St. Patrick's Day, come on somebody, it's green, we got it out. And uh, this happens to be a Larry Bird jersey, one of the greatest NBA players of all time. But here's, here's the thing, when you put your own jersey on, the thing about Team Jesus is you play for the front of the jersey, the team. You don't play for the back of the jersey, your name. When you're only living everything in life through the lens of what it does for you and whether or not the boss likes you and whether or not the coach likes you, the teacher likes you, the family likes you, and everything is filtered through what it does for you, you miss out on the benefits of being on a team. And when Jesus calls you onto his team, you turn over, you resist the anxiety of what is somebody going to do to rob me and, and in comparison with somebody else. You pause and you just go, Jesus, I trust you. Even if I don't understand you, I'm not going to revert to playing for the back of the jersey. I'm going to play for the front of the jersey. Amen? That's one of the things that champions do. They learn to check their ego at the door and they play for the grander mission of what Jesus has called them to Buying into the front of the jersey, following Jesus' way, means trusting he will meet your personal needs as you lean into the team. That's what, you know, even the tithing and giving and that kind of thing, it's buying into what God is doing in the church and trusting him with the rest of our finances. It's learning to lean in and trust that he knows how to move things together for our good. It means being coachable. It means when somebody tells you, hey, I want you to do this, Your teacher says, I want you to do it this way. Well, I don't learn that way. Well, maybe you need to learn to learn the way the teacher wants to teach you. Sometimes I think we've got such a a personalized, on-demand world that want everybody to adjust to our way. But if you're gonna follow Jesus, you have to learn to be coachable. Jesus, I wanna learn from the people you put in authority over me now. If I resist the boss, the teacher, the leader, the person in authority over me, the, the directorate church that handles whatever area that I'm serving, if I resist their leadership, how many know the Lord resists the proud? How many want the arsenal of heaven pointed against you? No, you don't want that. You want to humble yourself and say, I can learn from anybody. Being coachable, Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He'll work it all together only if we listen to the call to lean into his purpose. What purpose are you living for right now? The front or the back of the jersey? Are you leaning in and aligning your resources, your time, your schedule, your relationships around the purposes that God has for you? Or are you kind of saying, no, I want the church to benefit me. I want the kingdom to benefit me. Here at Emmanuel, our mission statement is for everyone to know Jesus, grow together and live with purpose. That's what we want to do. That's what I want all of us learning to do. We want everyone to know Jesus. But we want to grow together, be teammates, not isolated individuals and Christians. But we all want to work, work for the purposes that He has for us. And it means showing up, means staying connected, means listening to each other and listening to the Lord. You are what you do repeatedly. Coach K, the Duke basketball coach, he said this, if a coach can't trust your effort in the weight room, in the classroom, and at practice, how can you be trusted to play in a game? Well, when you're looking at Coach Jesus, who's called us on his team, we need to seek to be showing up, amen? Showing up into where he wants us to be. Being regular in attendance, at work, at school, and at church staying in and doing our devotions and staying connected to listen to the voice of God, leaning in and do your job. Secret number three is play until the whistle blows. Play until the whistle blows. Teams that win, play to the end. They play to the end of each play, to the end of each game, to the end of each season. Teams that win, individuals that win, stay in the game. And every championship team, goes through great and difficult times and seasons, but they persevere. Success, friends, is accomplishing God's goals and God's timing. It's not when you think it's gonna be, and if it doesn't happen right away, it's learning to wait for the timing of God. True success is persevering and pacing with God, his goals and his process all the way to the end. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't what? If we don't, if we don't, can't give up. You got to stay in the race, you got to move forward. And you got to consider the long haul, reading the obituary, thinking in terms of making the most of every day, and to consider what our end will be. I want to go to the whistleblows at the end of today, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year. I want to consider all of my life and what I'm living for. What do you hope that God says of you, your spouse says of you, your children say of you, your team? the colleagues that you're around or your church, for me, I had to ask that question and answer that question myself. You know what I want God to say? He trusted and obeyed me to the end. I want my wife to say he loved me, believed in me, walked with me to the end. My boys, my sons, I want them to say, dad believed the best in me. He was my greatest cheerleader and friend. I want my teammates, those that I work with and serve with, to say he cared for me and my family encouraged me to be my best. And I want our church, you, if I should go on to be with Jesus, to be able to say of me, pastor cared for my soul and equipped me to live the Jesus life. I'm living for that kind of return. Friends, are you catching what I'm saying? I'm gonna close with the story, the real life story. Of one of our teammates, Cy Risk. Pastor Cy Risk recently went to be with Jesus at 95 years of age. Pastor Cy lived multiple lifetimes. He lived it out and he played till the whistle blew. When he was young, he went off to war, fought on behalf of the United States. He also had times in missions in Lebanon and overseas fluent. Arabic he served in a local church his first, with his first wife who died of cancer and you would think he had an opportunity to quit working hard and give up he had just lost his wife but no he stopped and he leaned in to listen for the whisper you see he wasn't living for the stage or season he's got a wife he's got the right job only he was living for the voice, and in the middle of his grief, he leaned in, and he listened to the voice. And the voice said, you're not done yet. I've got more for you. So he continued to serve. He, he volunteered in the church, and he brought kids to church, and had a bus program. And, and then he was on staff at a church, and he married his second wife. And uh, he lived another 50 years after the first one, by the way. And he thought he would outlive his second one, but he didn't. And he served and he he was faithful with whatever he did. Then the time came when he hit around 70 years old. Most people give up and they retire and they're done serving. And he's like, he listened to the voice and the voice said, you're not done yet. So what did Si do? Si goes and he prays and he feels like God wants him to work at the Billy Graham Association downtown Minneapolis. Pastor Si goes down there and he says, hey, I'm looking for work. I feel like God wants me to come here. What do you have for me? And they looked at him and they thought, well, he could maybe be a chaplain, but we don't have any openings. So so they looked at him and they said, we don't have anything for you. He said, I was sure God wanted me to do this. So he went away, came back again, and he said, "Nope, God is telling me I'm supposed to work here." And they're like, no, we don't have any openings. He said, what do you have? Other things, other positions and he said, well, we have an opening doing dishes in the kitchen. And he said, that's what God wants me to do. And Pastor Sy said, okay, I'm gonna take that job and I'm gonna do it to the best, to the glory of God. You know, that assignment and that uniform got hung up. And then he was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And right about that time, Pastor Deniz said, hey, how about if you come on staff here at Emmanuel and why don't you start doing hospital calls? And so for the next 20 years of Sai's life, he visited hospitals all over the city, visited many of you and your family members. He, he visited people. Why? Because he was listening to the voice and he ran until the whistle blew. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Listen, if you're on the team, you believe you're on the team. Thanks for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about Emmanuel and enjoy other messages by checking out emanuelcc.org. Be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.